Hello, and welcome to the uh, 44th episode of Cinema Effect. I'm not Zach, I'm Liam, and uh, this week we have a very special guest with us. Um, we kept them a big, uh, a big secret from the audience, from you guys. It's, uh, you know, the god of gaming himself, the god of games, Sir Kaz. Hello. <laughs> That was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Liam. Hello, everyone. How are you all today? <laughs> I was grinning the whole time. That was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're honoured you could uh, come to the show. And yeah. um, as always, we've also got uh, Disney's number one hater, Jaden. Okay. Hello. Wow, that one That one didn't even show up on the soundbar. That was really quiet. Right. Jaden's just so pissed off at that <laughs> intro. He was just, man, what was that? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, today we're doing The Bourne Identity, the first in the The Bourne franchise, um, 2002 action film by, uh, Doug Lehman, stars Matt Damon, uh, Frank Patante, Chris Cooper, and, uh, a lot of other good peoples, Clive Owen, Julia Stiles, etc., um, and is about a guy who has all these amazing abilities and doesn't have any recollection of his past. Um, oh, I forgot to do the um, the promotions, didn't I? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Point. You can do it now. It's fine. Just do it. What's and uh, don't forget to subscribe to Cinema Effect, and you know, follow us on Instagram and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everything. If you're not following on everything, it doesn't really count, so do mm. that. Mm. And yeah, so without further ado, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Zach first. Um, There's a question, man. Oh, shit. Yes, you're right. <laughs> question of the week. Question of the week, which I didn't just forget. Um, do you still buy DVDs? And what was the last one you got? So answer that in the, uh, the comments section down below and we'll read them out next week okay so zach what did you this is your first rewatch of the film right the first one you've uh the only one you've seen in the franchise that's correct yeah yeah i've now seen this one twice but i'm going in blind in the future cool cool so what did you think of the uh the born identity uh i think the born identity is is fine i think it's fine i have many issues with it um it has enjoyable elements um, and, and scenes and moments that I think, but none that quite, you know, stand up to, I think, what we think about in the action genre and the spy genre, especially these days. And that's going to be a common theme for me throughout this whole thing of trying to compare this to where it stands, because I do think it sort of has somewhat legendary status in the genre these days, you know, like, oh, if people think of spy films, you know, Mission Impossible and the Born, the Born films, and maybe it changes later on, but this one, doesn't really live up to that for me, despite the things I do like about it. Um, but yeah, no, I think some of the characters are weak, and I think some of the stories a bit weird to me. But I don't know. From a modern perspective, I don't love it, but it's enjoyable enough for me. Very cool. Uh, okay, Jaden, you're in the same boat, aren't you, Jaden? Your f- first one you've seen in first rewatch, right? Yeah, yeah, and then haven't seen the rest. Um, I think I, uh, the way it sounds, I feel a bit better about it than Zach, but I'm still not entirely on board. Um. 
you know, it's more action than a bone, and it's and it, and, and I kind of like that about it because it still feels pretty similar in, in, in you know all the other stuff that you know of a traditional action film, spy thriller, and all that stuff. But then again, like you know, comparing to like other ones like Mission Impossible, which 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 I'd say are similar in the category, I think um, I think I'd prefer those over that. But I still think there's a lot of merit to this. But um, yeah. What do you think? What did I think? I hated the movie. Yeah, I thought it was. Ooh. No. Um. I, yeah, I can see why someone would see this, look at this, and you know, kind of not be awed by it in the same way as something like Mission Impossible Fallout or Rogue Nation or something like that, or just think it was, you know, kind of standard affair in terms of action films these days, but no, I really love this film. I think the, uh, you know, the character drama at its heart and uh, just Matt Damon's performance as this, you know, confused person with all these random uh, you know, special abilities is just uh, really great. Watching him figure out things and do things is just was just really satisfying to me and yeah apart from that I just really loved uh, a lot of different elements of the film like the uh, the score like the car chase scene and the uh, the ending music and just the the kind of low like lo-fi kind of lighting in this film just yeah I just loved a lot of mm. elements of it just found it really watchable so can lighting oh, yeah. be described as lo-fi? Mm, I couldn't think of another word, but probably Low key? Low key, yeah. I think that's the one that we used to use, is it? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not lo-fi to do with We sound. understood what he meant. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I understood, but... Oh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, it might be to do with sound, actually. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, the, the, I mean, the lighting just felt like it was very light. Like, there was no, like, stark colours during the film. Like, the film's, like, kind of... Monochromatic. Easy on the eyes. Yeah, monochromatic. Mm. Yeah. The action, I thought the action was really, I thought it was like, like really brisk and clean, but not like disorientating. I was a big fan of the action. Right, yeah. I, 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 I like it, sort of. I think the movie has, when we talk about the very first glimpse we get at the action in the film, and it's just the brief moment where, Matt Damon's sitting there on the park bench and the the two German dudes come over and he like just instinctively can uh, combat them with his, you know, martial arts or whatever. Um, I thought that was really cool. It's only like five seconds long, but just the way uh, the choreography of it is really snappy and the way it's sped up um, really obviously in the edit is really great. And it's not something I really see in modern action films in terms of editing. You know, we see a lot of, you know, we, uh, quick cutting is the, the biggest sin of uh, action, really, generally. And then, you know, we see a lot of, I don't know, close-up, hard-to-see shots. But this is kind of a different take on that. It's sort of its own style of just really speeding up the action. And I like that, but it just doesn't go hard enough into it for me, if that makes any sense. I think, you know, we the, the moment in the bank, I really like a lot too. But So that's sort of the thread. I like it a lot earlier in the movie. But then, it, I don't know, as we go on... It loses me a bit. I would love to see that sped up style in the edit sort of more reflected in the future films because I, I didn't get enough of it here um, and I think it's got potential. Um, but I did also really like the uh, the car chase as well. In was that, in that was in Paris, wasn't it? Or was that in London? That was in Paris. Yeah, Paris. It was in Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that scene a lot too. Um, but I do generally just 
yeah, I dislike it the further it gets on. I dislike the third act. Um, so, yeah, so, I'm sort of mixed on it, but I think it's got potential. Were you saying it wasn't – you didn't feel it was, like, fast – they didn't take use of that, like, fast-paced kind of style that they were going for? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because then, from memory, the only real blown-out uh, version of that we get later on is in the his apartment when the dude jumps through the window and we have that whole scene. Um I hate the sound design in the movie. I think it's garbage. Uh, I really do. And it's a shame because it kind of ruined the scene for me a little bit. Um, okay. So, so it, yeah, so I don't know. It was like I can see what they're going for and I appreciate it with the – particularly with the, the hand-to-hand stuff I'm talking about here particularly because uh, yeah. there's not a whole lot else. Um, like there's not really extensive gunfights or anything in this movie. There's, you've really just got the vehicle stuff and you've got the hand-to-hand stuff. And I like the hand-to-hand stuff. Sound design ruined it for me and I would have liked more of it without the bad sound design. I didn't notice anything really about the sound design that I didn't like or did like what was uh, what stood out for you guys. I, I just think it's super – it suffers from the, the Kill Bill thing for me where it's just super cartoony. It just sounds oh. so like it belongs in a, a 90s parody of an action film. Um, and in Kill Bill, like I hate it in Kill Bill as well, but – in Kill Bill, like it's clearly the the point, you know, it's, that's the style that Tarantino is going for in that film. Um, it still doesn't work for me at all, but at least there it sort of feels stylistically consistent. Whereas here, it just feels out of place in in a world that feels like it's sort of trying to build this this gritty spy, you know, aesthetic with everyone's no one really knows who there are and these slimy organisations and stuff. It just felt out of place to me. I remember this was 2002, though, so it was only like two years out of the 90s, so you have to give That's some fair. That's yeah. fair. It's a plus That's minus five Mission years. Impossible. Th- <laughs> yeah, true. That's true, actually. Mission Impossible, I don't believe, ever fell into the trap, though. So. Yeah, but I think that can. That's because the first one was less action, more spy thriller, and the second one was. Yeah. You know, it had that Hong Kong director, and I think, like, because of that, like, you know, you never really heard those sounds because it was just very different again. And then by the time 2006 rolled around for, for Mission Impossible 3, you know, you didn't need them anymore. So I think, uh, don't think you can pair the two on that aspect. I mean, you can, of course you can, you always can, but. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 that's a good point though. We are, it is very close to the nineties. I just, I, I wish the filmmakers had a bit more, uh, I don't know, put a bit more effort into that in terms of making it fit with the rest of what they're going for. You know what I mean? This isn't a nineties you know, soapy action thing. Mm. It just isn't in any other way except that. So it just feels off to me. It's interesting that you point out the sound design in that scene because, because like, that scene I had, I was going to praise it, but, like, not for that reason, but, like, because, like, when they're in the apartment, it's all quiet. You can actually hear, like, cars on the street. Um, oh, and, like, I'm not sure if it's just something I don't really notice in movies often or if, like, this is, like, one of the few examples that actually, like, go to the effort of adding that sound. And I was like, ah, oh. it feels very lived in. Yeah, yeah, huh. that's a good point. Or it could have also been cars outside my house, and I just couldn't tell the difference. But <laughs> who knows? You, you clearly live on such a busy street, though. Yeah. Um, but no, no, that's a good point, though, because you know I I can sort of picture that scene having just sort of low dramatic score instead of, in place of what they did do. So mm. it's different. So, does, what do you guys think of the soundtrack? Is it kind of do you feel the same about it as you do the sound design, Zach? No, I like the score a lot, actually. Um, it's nothing amazing. You know, it's not 
tremendously unique. It's pretty standard, I suppose, for what you'd imagine this film to be. But it just works. It just fits for me. Um, it's got a, a lot of cool sort of building moments. Um, I, at the moment, I like the shot a lot where uh, old mate Jason walks out of the boat and he just walks into the street and then, like, vanishes. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, just a cool, it's just a cool shot. But, like, there, if I recall correctly, there's some cool score building. I'm, like, I'm feeling some some ominous stuff is is a brewing in this film. Um, so, no, I liked it a lot. It was a, it was a positive for me, yeah. That, like, entire introduction scene with him, of him, you know, walking into some random street and trying to figure out what, what, who he is, what's happening. Uh, you know, there's hardly any dialogue or, like, yeah, I don't think like there's any dialogue in that scene. It's just really, you know, it shows us into his state of mind and what's happening uh, really effectively without you know, explaining or saying anything. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, it sounded like that was sort of your, the main thing you liked about the uh, the movie Fitzy when you talked about your overall thoughts. And I, I generally agree with you. I do. I, I, that's probably my favorite part of the movie too. Just the way that, him throughout the entire thing trying to piece together who he is um and he gets thrown a few curveballs like all the different passports and the whole john michael kane thing um shout out to michael kane but you know that that was really cool and he went to the meeting as john michael kane and yeah there was a few threads there that he was following um and then yeah I, i like how that sort of all led to him finding out who he is and the treadstone conversations that was also my favorite part of the movie as it pertained to Jason himself. Very nice. Um, what were you gonna say, Jaden? Uh, it was um, it was to do with the score, and it was like in this. It was in the scene just before he goes to that meeting as John Michael Caine. Um, but as he's in the elevator, like the the score, like has this like really frantic string sound, and it sounds like almost like an unraveling, as if there was like meant to be like a big sequence or like some kind of big set piece at that moment, like a big a big un- unfolding unraveling or a big reveal. But then like right. it kind of does like nothing with it and like it just left me a bit bewildered but like you know that's, well that, to me I really like that aspect of the film um, because I think it's trying to it's trying to get you in the in the in Jason Bond's mind in this head state which is kind of you know uh, a bit frantic and you know he doesn't know who to trust or where his feet is, or, you know, if he walks into this building, if he'll, if they'll call security and the cops on him or if they'll know him and kind of thing. So, I mean, the whole film kind of feels like it is trying to achieve that a bit with the Vaughn and uh, Marie side. Um, like, if you compare the, the shots at the CIA, it's kind of very, you know, still and, uh, you know, very um, stable. And then, the rest of the film is kind of a lot of handheld and a lot of like, yeah, I think shots mm-hmm. and score are trying to make you feel a bit uneasy, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, and like, yeah, like, I, I, I do appreciate that, but it's just that in that scene where it seems so prevalent and like that, you kind of seem like emphasized, like nothing big came out of it. No, that's took you out of it in the moment. Mm. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's not a big complaint, you know. It's like it's a it's a four second sound bite in the middle of the film, but like. It was it was enough for me to like be like yeah. join the nitpick squad. Yeah, yeah. So even though Bond's like kind of a like a blank slate kind of character, I guess. Um, I really enjoyed his character in this film. He's very 
Uh, he's very egoless, I guess. I mean, especially when you compare him to, you know, Ethan Hunt and uh, James Bond and yeah. all that. He's just a very, yeah. he's just a very normal individual who has these skills and who's going through these, through this, you know, this um, situation. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that part of the film watching him, and I think Damon just plays him, you know, the confused. His confused young kind of puppy dog, like lost puppy dog face is really great. Um, but yeah. 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 Matt, Matt Damon is really good. I enjoy him a lot in the movie, but, and to what you're saying, I like, it all feels consistent with the fact that what he's told towards the end of the movie is that he is just effectively, he's just a human weapon. That's all he is. He's sort of this blank slate in terms of being an individual person. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, against, other protagonists in the genre. Um, I like that about him too, 100%. I hope that sort of, you know, I want to see him develop in the future films, but I hope that sort of stays with him. I don't want to see him become like some cocksure, you know, character. Well, just like while speaking about the character, like um, with like the Amnesia stuff, like I had no quarrels with it up until like the final confrontation where like, it just got a bit annoying when, like, he's, like, with um Chris Cooper's character and he's, like, who am I, what are you, and, you know, all that stuff. And, and like, you know, in that moment where they're both, like, playing oblivious and then, like, it, 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 it just pushed over the edge of, like, all right, now this little aspect has gotten annoying for me. Because throughout the film, you know, it doesn't really hinder too much. But in that scene, it just feels like there's so much clashing back and forth of, of just over that one detail of, like, you know, oh, you remember, stop playing ignorant. No, I don't. And, like, oh, yeah, right. that's, that just pissed me off. Mm, mm, yeah. I didn't like that scene much at all, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that point. But just, uh, I think that is sort of meant to be the climax of the movie. And I didn't find it tremendously satisfying. You know, there wasn't any sort of great revelation or understanding for us as the audience to understand about Bourne that we didn't already, you know, and I appreciate that it's a moment for him as a character and that's fine, but I don't know, I would have liked at least something to kind of latch onto about his past that I wasn't aware of. Um, but the only thing that we get sort of uh, close to that, I, if I remember correctly, is uh, when he's told that, which was already obvious out of the movie, but he was part of the boat heist to kill Wombosi. Um, but we learned that he failed that mission. He didn't, couldn't do it because of the most generic reason ever that, oh, there was a kid in the room and he couldn't pull the trigger because there was a kid there. Like, I, I strongly dislike that as a um, as a story moment, as a story cho- choice in the movie. I just feel super bland and generic and there's, I don't know, it just feels that it's nothing particular to him as a character as to why that would sort of be a foil other than just the idea that he has humanity, you know, because you can kind of apply that trait to any protagonist in any film ever. You know, oh, I couldn't pull the trigger because right, right. he felt bad. To be fair, on the movie's behalf, they're like, um, early in the film when they're at the farm and like just before Clark Owen like is come comes along, like you know he's shown interacting with the kids, like playing on the swing or whatever, and like you know like he's actually shown to like enjoy time with them. So like, that's know, true. It's it's yeah. it's, it's balls all of a thread, but there is a thread there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That is set up well. I agree with that. But yeah, no, it is nonetheless sort of still. It's not super compelling, you know. Yeah, I thought that reveal. It is really cliche, um, but I, I did think that 
it fit his character in his arc of the film, which is someone who's discovered who he was and is now is rejecting his his past self. Um, the further the movie oh, yeah. goes along, um, and yeah, he's seen. I mean, he's seen interacting with the kids and trying to develop some kind of relationship. He's trying to live more of a normal life, I guess. He's trying to reject that, you know, that high octane spy life. Uh, so I, I kind of thought that that did fit in with that a bit, but yeah, when the actual reveal happened and, and, you know, they're basically telling us this is the reason that he has amnesia, which doesn't really make sense by itself. Um, that was a bit weak. So I do agree there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I know it's sort of, uh, like the whole main character having amnesia thing generally within storytelling is sort of cliche, but I personally, I don't think I've actually experienced many stories like that. I think that's just, you know, a coincidence by what I've read and watched and stuff. Um, so I enjoy that aspect of the movie genuinely because, Oh, my, my understanding is that it is fairly tropey, especially in, uh, I think it's like a pretty common thing in anime, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm making that up. but Or in Japanese stuff, I don't know. But I enjoyed it because the whole idea of this main character finding out who he is is sort of new to me. Have you not seen Memento? Yeah. Oh, fair, fair. It is a bit different. But, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. You're not wrong. Yeah, uh, but I don't think I've seen this in like, yeah, a spy thriller film. Um, mm. and that gives you that dichotomy of, uh, Bowen being really, you know, a blank slate, a confused character who doesn't know who he is, but also having these wild abilities, which was, uh, you know, fun to watch and see him discover and utilize. With that, I loved just the, the, the scene in the diner where he mentions how he, uh, just knows everything about these random little details for no reason he can't figure out why like how much the dude weighs and all that all that other stuff and you know where there's guns and stuff i thought that was cool yeah that's such a short bit of dialogue but that really lets you into his mind a lot and lets you know how how skilled he is and how confident he is so yeah can we bring up marie sure so some some are you i saw i saw that some people have a problem with marie is that where you're coming from. I have a big problem with Marie. I think this character's not very good. Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. What's her name? Frank or something? Is that her name? Frank Potento? Potento? Yeah. Her performance is fine. It's fine. I, the only fault I would give her is that I just don't think she has a tremendous amount of chemistry with Matt Damon. Um, but, you know... That, that's all forgivable to me on, on, on the uh, superficial side of things in terms of what I'm visually seeing her do. Like, it's fine. Just in the story, her character, it, it just, it feels inconsistent and sort of all over the place to me when she, I don't know. Like, I understand someone in that situation would obviously freak out by having all these people die around her and being in the situation she's in. But when she... When they pull up out the front of the hotel and Bourne's like, there's clearly police there, and Bourne's like, yo, we got to go. And she understands the situation they're in, and she still, like, just freaks out, and she's like, why am I following you? Why am I listening to you? And it just felt like such a forced moment of artificial tension to me because then they resolve it, like, a minute later. Like, I don't know if I don't know if I needed that. That was a bit annoying. But I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. uh, And it's just sort of unclear to me 
how attached she is to Bourne or not. I feel like sometimes she's like terrified of him and sort of like stay away from me and other time, you know, and she kind of becomes a big fan of him, uh, you know, f- falls in love with him sort of, I guess, in that house with the dude where she, the dude's house uh, she knows there. They sort of hang out there for a bit. Um, but then I feel like when they leave, she switches to like, what does she say to him? She says something to the effect of like, um, oh, you know, I want to stay with you. Don't, you know, don't, oh, don't let me go by myself or whatever and I'm going to stay. It just it, the, the character switch was a bit, it was a bit abrupt for me. Um, yeah, I can see, I can see that. Uh, I do think when she got the most angry with him and when, you know, he was like banging her against like the door and telling her to listen to him and everything, that was when she learned that he was actually a, a, uh, an assassin. So, I mean, oh, she, probably, okay. she probably should have known that already. I mean, yeah, I mean, since that apartment, <laughs> like when a guy comes swinging through your window with a you know automatic weapon, I mean, like, what do you think he's doing for his work? I mean, like, like and like that's why like that latest thing pissed me off because like, she's like, oh, you kill people, whatever. Like, you should have known that. You should have known it was part of something like this. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit outside of being you know nitpicky towards certain moments, I just I don't buy their relationship. You know, at the end of the movie when he goes back to her in Greece. It's meant to be this ending of like, oh, you know, Grey Bourne's going to settle down. He's going to find his peace. He's going to hang out with this, you know, his partner here, you know, the, the person he, that he loves now or whatever. It just the relationship was just so nothing to me. I was much more invested in Bourne himself. I would have found an ending where he <laughs> did something by himself way more satisfying, you know, than, oh, great, you go back to this lady again, you know. I don't know. I bought the relationship. I don't know if that's maybe there's aspects you mentioned kind of weighed more heavily on your uh on your like interpretation of the relationship than mine or maybe you just probably maybe was just a difference of buying you know the chemistry in uh throughout most of the film but um i don't know i really like how they go from you know strangers to friends and just kind of whole uh like uh you know series of from like not knowing each other to really wanting to be together but but yeah i think i think i was uh, invested in the relationship but i wasn't attached to it if that makes sense like i didn't i didn't care too much if they were going to be together i actually think um casino royale's relationship uh between you know fond and What's the character's name? Um, Vespa. Vespa, yeah. That feels something that's a lot more... That's an example of something that feels a lot more authentic and, like, they seem, like, more of a fit. But, mm. yeah, I, yeah I, did, I did buy it, I guess, so... Oh, yeah, here you go. He, you know, here's generic action trivia. Tom Cruise would be proud. Matt Damon climbed down the last 30 feet of the building himself. This is in the bank sequence. Without a stunt double. He called it, quote, the most grueling thing I had to do. So, uh, go on your mat. We appreciate you. And uh, this is worth mentioning because this this series, this, well, series in quotes, we'll get into that, I guess, but um, as we go further on, but it's not a strict adaptation of the novels. There are novels of this franchise. So 
Uh, at Doug Lyman's instruction, who was the director, screenwriter Tony Gilroy did not read the Bourne Identity novel. Instead, he worked solely from an outline prepared by Lyman. So this is a very rough adaptation of the Bourne Identity novel. Um, and then my understanding is, and this sort of made me interested in reading them, honestly, um, my understanding is that then from this point on, there's zero connection to the novels, um, even though they share the same title. The Matt Damon trivia is good, though, but it's not as impressive as, you know, Tom Cruise trying not to get detected with a FedEx box or whatever the hell that yes. was for collateral. That was amazing. That still might be my, like, top three favourite trivias on the show, you know? Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Before you mentioned, like, that the editing wasn't that much of an issue, but, like, it's like, am I crazy and misremembering that, like, but later on, like, some of the editing was just dizzying. Like, it was just too much. Was I alone in that, or was that... Oh, I didn't really... No, yeah, I didn't notice it. Where in the movie, exactly? I, I, I can't recall at which point, but I just have this note saying that the editing is dizzying, and, like, I'm trying... And now I'm trying to remember, like, like did I, did I just, like, you know... Like, did I just misremember uh, a sequence? Oh, yeah. It is at times. I'm just um, trying to think, like, what was a fast-paced sequence where it could have occurred? Actually, no, I think it was the flashbacks. I think it was. I think. I think it was a cross cutting between the rev, like between like Damon confronting the CIA dude and like and like it constantly going back and like 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 they applied that filter and like it was like that flash and it was just too often and uh, it was just coming in and out and like it, it was just. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, they love that flash. They use it a lot. A really cool edit or shot in the film was um, for me it was. Um... Before the guy bursts in at the apartment, I think Damon's Damon's on the phone or something. Yeah, he's on the phone with the um, the guy from the hotel. He's looking at the John Michael Caine, and uh, the camera just kind of yeah, I don't know, what, I don't know what it does. It kind of pans around like some edge of the apartment or something for like a quick second, and it's just kind of like. Yeah, it just kind of raises the tension before, uh, before the guy even comes in, and there were little things like that in the film that kind of, you know, put you into Bourne's uh, kind of headset a bit. Yeah, yeah, I like that stuff too. When he's uh, walking around with a knife, and because we've already been set up with his extra, you know, we've been told about his extra skills and senses and and shit by that point, so. He's on edge. I believe him. You know, there's something going on. There's something afoot. And he has to, like, drop the knife into the floor. And he's, yeah, the dude comes through the window. Yeah, I liked all that. Oh, I loved the fight, the gunfight between Bourne and Clive Owen's character in the, at, the, at the farm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I think it's kind of different from, this film is different from other action films in the sense that Born almost doesn't face something that challenges him. Like, um, even this, even this Clive Owen character, which we've kind of been led up to believe is menacing, or at least very good at his job at assassinating people. Um, you know, Born just kind of finds the gun, walks out, shoots the barrel, and, you know, just runs into the forest, and that whole that whole chase scene I thought was really great. Um, you know, Bourne is just like a um, a very collected 
predator in the in that scene in those kind of scenes, which is an aspect of it I really just like enjoyed watching. I found it very like just fun to watch. For sure, for sure. I felt like in that scene I was more in the sniper's shoes than Bourne's, which was cool because when uh Bourne like you know is throwing him off with the gunshots and the birds are flying around and quick cuts to the birds and I'm like Jesus, what what the hell's happening here? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Walton Goggins being in this movie. Just want to throw it out there. <laughs> I was surprised. I like him a lot. Didn't say much, but oh well. Yeah, I think the little... I think the casting of even, like, Julia Styles is, like... Like, it's, it's not something you'd expect from, like, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You that this character could be really great in, the, in this in this role of just, you know, a female CIA agent, but... I thought, even though she she wasn't, she didn't play a massive role. She was really great, and uh, you know Brian Cox as the uh, CIA CIA senior higher up guy. Um, mm. Yeah, they're really great. I actually I did like the. Uh, oh, you, sorry, sorry. No, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you go. That's no, okay. You go. Oh god, damn it! <laughs> It'd be embarrassing if I went back another time. Yeah. Uh, I really like the the CIA side of the plot um because you know not to harp on it marie sort of annoying me a lot in the ball and stuff so when we come back to the cia stuff i just love how it's just so simple it's just these dudes and their interactions are cool but it's just this thing of they just want to cover their asses they've just felt like they've embarrassed themselves on this failed assassination their whole treadstone project is a bit of a botch um and so that's literally all the movie is for them it's just them trying to get rid of all their loose ends. Um, and I like that a lot. And I liked how they, even though Bourne was, you know, Bourne wasn't assassinated or brought in, Bourne was free. They also effectively achieved that goal as well uh, in the end when they were in that final, like, I don't know, like government meeting or something. And he just like passes over Treadstone. Yeah. It's like, oh, forget about that thing, whatever. Yeah. He's lost to the, to the files or whatever. Yeah. 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 Is that guy, sorry, is that guy that killed, Chris Coop's character is he going to be like is he meant to be do you know if he's meant to be like the villain in the next one or is he just going to be like forgotten about mm, don't know I feel like he's going to be forgotten about but I don't know because he was also part of Treadstone because like now that that's gone should he also be gone that kind of my thinking but then like it's also like if, if Treadstone's gone and they don't have to worry about that anymore then what are the next films about because aren't they still hunting him in the next films like, yeah, I mean, like, this is also, I, I guess we'll find out soon, but yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if Bourne does something to get on the radar again, or so, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, I don't know why they'd sort of hunt him now. That seems pretty definitive. Maybe they didn't need to use him for something, oh, who knows? Mm, mm, yeah, we'll see. The uh, the end, ending to this film, I've actually seen before. I realised halfway through while I was watching it. Um, <laughs> so... Chris Cooper, you know, dying to the assassin. Luckily, I didn't realize I'd seen that before when I saw it, but I thought that was really good. And then the, you know, the ending back at the beach. So I have actually seen that before, but, uh, yeah, I really like Chris Cooper's, uh, his death, you know, covering up the guy who was trying to cover up his tracks um, and kind of screwed everything up in the process. And, uh, you know, Brian Koch just, Calling that was uh, really satisfying, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's very simple at the ending, but I enjoyed it. 
I was gonna say like it's like spy movies seem to love to use Europe as their like setting. I mean like Mission Impossible's yeah. constantly there, Bonds all over the world, you know. Tenet goes to a few different places and, and you know, obviously Bourne's between like what the Mediterranean France and Zurich and Switzerland or whatever, you know, it's it like you know, like I don't know why, but like it just seems like all spy movies love Europe. I sure yeah. do. I sure do. I'm fine with that because I love Europe. So oh yeah, they shoot it really well, and I think what they cool, do is mate. cool. But like you know, I wonder if it's going to wear out by the time we get to the fourth Bourne film. Mm-hmm. Where else can they go? Maybe they should go to uh, Antarctica. Australia. Shoot some penguins. You see, at least, at least Mission Impossible had the audacity to come down here. Yeah, never again, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but the shot I like of Born, like, you know, walking into the world and then the buggy moves past and then he's gone. You know, that cool shot. In fact, if you look carefully, Matt Damon, like, ducks behind the buggy and he's, like, running behind it, you know, to stay obscured. Which is pretty hilarious. Didn't notice it, thank God. I don't really have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? No, I'm good to move to scores if you guys are, yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I'll give it I yeah, I gave it I'll give it a nine out of ten. Um Yeah. Just it's, it's really uh enjoyable film and um yeah, there's just a lot of elements I like about it. Just it's not one specific thing, but I think the core of it is just really great Matt Damon's performance as this, you know, confused character who's just, you know, a mastermind is a lot of fun, so, yeah. Uh, what about you, Zach? I'll give it a six. I'll give it a six. Yeah, I liked a lot about it. I did. But it is just true that, you know, the the core relationship in the movie and the ending of the movie sort of just left me, like, I like the CIA stuff, like I said, but when we're there on Greece, I'm just sort of like, eh, okay. You know, that was sort of the the note the story left me on there. And it's what I was feeling most of the time when they were, you know, when they were adventuring around the place too, even though there's a lot to like in this movie. I recommend people check it out for sure. Um, but I generally, I do hope the uh, the franchise grows on me a bit more than this. Yeah. What about you, Jaden? Um, it's a seven in my books. Um, I think it's a really good action film, but I just think like, um, you know, we're so spoiled for choice these days that, you know, you can pick and choose what you like and, 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 and you know, you can't complain about some stuff that maybe back in the day you could excuse a bit. I say back in the day, but it's like, what? Oh, I mean, actually it's a considerable time ago, I guess. Yeah. Almost 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so like, I, I guess for that reason, like, um, it isn't higher because, you know, in modern day films and you know, just comparing other stuff, there are better sequences, relationships, or storylines, or whatever. But I still think it's very good. I think it excels in quite a few places. So um, yeah, so that's a great way to word what I wasn't wasn't quite getting across. Sometimes I think is that yeah, yeah, it's just it is sort of does weigh down for me a bit just from a comparison perspective. We are spoiled for choice mm. these days for sure. Yeah, you always have to try and not compare, but it's just in your nature to compare. You know, and like that's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you really should be taking everything on, on its own merit and without 
the knowledge of other films, but like you know, it's it's difficult when you have seen these other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Do I take over for news? Is it, do I have to do that? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't have the things written down, so. Well, shit. All right. All right. Thank you very much for doing that, Fitzy. So far, you're doing a great job. Uh, right. Everyone, it's me. I'm Zach. Um, this is News Chat. Uh, first up, we got. Uh, I wrote here Harry Pooter, as in double O, uh, HBO Max series. Uh, of course, in reference to Harry Potter, is getting a HBO Max series in early development. That is literally every shred of information we have on this. Uh, but you know, it's probably happening. You know, it hasn't been officially greenlit, but you can expect it. It makes a ton of sense. What the hell can this show be? Is sort of where we can we can talk about it. Jaden, what do you want to see out of this show? Do we want to be prequel? You know, do we want to be Fantastic Beasts sort of spin-offs here? Do we want to go into the future? Do we want Daniel Radcliffe back? There are a lot of options. Um, well, I haven't even considered Radcliffe coming back, but that'd be actually an interesting thing to see him like as as an aura and stuff. But I guess. I would be scared it goes too much into like cursed child stuff, but like yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, I'd be happy if it is just a remake because like I I I I adore the I, I absolutely love the you know the 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 the, the original franchise. You know I've I've, I've spoken about it quite a few times I think in the past, but I think seeing it as like a multi-season show with you know each book getting like eight episodes or something like that and really expanding on it and like kind of getting like a good HBO treatment of a massive budget and you know high quality stuff and like I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be against that I think it'd be I, I think it, it's good it's good it'd, it'd be difficult and I'm not sure if they would go that route because of you know naturally people are going to say well what are you going to do with that when you have the movies but like um so if they go that way I wouldn't mind but like um yeah seeing Radcliffe in the future might not be too bad either yeah yeah I mean I want to push to the future in this franchise um fantastic beast is so whatever to me um like they're 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 fine you know i there's some interesting lore things happening there but i want to see you know the franchise push forward and i don't really know if prequels can do that anymore um and you know frankly for a franchise as big as harry potter i think there's there should be way more content than there is you know what i mean think about star wars and the amount of freaking shows games uh so on and so forth we're getting and have already got and I think Harry Potter needs to play a bit of catch up, to be honest, because it's got a very similar level of potential. Um, so I'd love to see Radcliffe, but even if it's not him, like just some future story would be neat. I just think, um, um, but w- when you're in that wizarding world, I feel like you're kind of limited by like how much you can show. Like, cause like, you know, Hogwarts, you know, the Hogwarts we're showing in the Harry Potter films and like, you know, the, the 1930s New York, they, they still feel very similar. Cause you know, it is like that magical world. So I'm not sure how much changing the time period is going to change, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I just, I just want to push forward into new narrative possibilities. I guess I don't want to be tied down by, you know, the, sure, the idea of doing like a Tom Riddle series, Voldemort would be like I'd watch it, but I don't want to be tied down by that stuff anymore. You know, by Dumbledore and by the, these these pre-existing characters in the past. You know, I want to move forward. I want to get, get, show me some new cool characters, some aura characters. But how do you feel about it, Fitzy? Let's do a Ravenclaw. It's about time they did a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Are you a Ravenclaw? Is that why you say that? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But I mean, they've done you know they've done Hufflepuff with um, Newt. That didn't 
that's that's okay, mm. but not not the best, you know. Mm. I've obviously done Gryffindor and Slytherins. Let's let's give Ravenclaw a chance. Hashtag give Ravenclaw a chance. Get it trending, people. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very good. Whole world of possibilities there, I guess. Fitzy, tell me about this Godzilla vs. Kong trailer that just came out. Or just came out a few days ago, whatever it was. How'd you, how'd you feel about it? Oh, it, looks, it looks pretty fun. Um, I hope it, it's mainly... There's more like action scenes between Godzilla and Kong, unless, you know... I hope it focuses more on the action than the story and the dialogue and everything, because I think that's the selling point of this film. The trailer seemed like biased towards Kong. Like, it made Godzilla, Godzilla out as the, as the bad guy, which kind of makes me want to root for him a bit. <laughs> so, yeah. I think he is. I think, well, yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think Godzilla is the antagonist from what I gathered from it. Right, but why is that? Is it just because he's stronger? Is that the reason? I don't know. I don't know. I guess the, I guess they wanted to choose one of them. I guess, but I don't know. I mean, I mean they they have Kong captured. I guess from Skull Island. Haven't seen it, but that makes sense. And then, yeah, I guess because they have him in custody, it sort of makes sense for them for human beings to use him. And human beings have to be on the good side, of course. I think it's going to be a BVS situation where they team up against the big bad at the end. Yep, hundred percent. Like it, it, <laughs> it, it can't be anything else. Like really, <laughs> um, and like, like, and like, we're showing like glimpses of like a Mecha Godzilla, so I think like that's probably going to be like what they're going to team up against or whatever. And especially like if you know the narrative, like I know you guys haven't, but like, like, the, like the narrative of the first two Godzillas doesn't set Godzilla up as a bad guy at all. So like, um, it feels like a weird shift. So right. I mean, like, it, it, like, there's only one way this film can go, and that's just like they're going to have a bit of a brawl, you know. Some some Bessie's just beefing a bit, and then they're gonna like a, uh, and then they're gonna team up. They realize both their parents' names are Martha. Yeah. Mm. Like they say in the trailer, there's um um that character is like you know something is disturbing Godzilla, which is probably just like the Mecha Godzilla. So, I mean, yeah, it's probably gonna go that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw some like other. I don't know, dragons or some other creatures in the trailer, I think, breathfully. So I guess they can, yeah. That but that was sense. a part of the King of the Monsters stuff. Like, oh, was and, it? Like, oh. and like they explain like what they're up to and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. But I mean, if we are following the Batman vs. Superman formula, I 100% agree with you, Jad. So who's going to be the Wonder Woman of the film then? Oh my God, no. <laughs> I wasn't taking it there, but like, yeah, oh yeah. Is there some other dumb monster character? Yeah, yeah, there, yeah there's plenty. Oh, okay. I don't know any of them. But I agree with Liam. I, I hope there's not too much human drama and it's more just big fuck-off monsters fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, though, Batman vs Superman, right? Technically, Batman won. You know what I mean? So who's going to technically win even though they are going to team up? King Kong will technically win. Take the, take the W, yeah? yeah? Okay, okay. Oh, did Batman win because he, like, he had Superman? He had him beat, yeah, for sure. And then Martha, of course. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like Batman is like the the underdog, but which but the movie then makes Superman look like the bad character because he's, he's not the underdog. But then that would make you want to root for him. It's like the same thing with like Godzilla versus Kong. You know, it's like Kong is the yeah. underdog. 
but because they're making Godzilla right to the bad guy, it makes me want to go for Godzilla, you know. But yeah, then the yeah. movie's probably going to make Kong win, like they made Batman win, so. So, yeah. Mm, mm, we'll well, isn't, I'm Kong, gonna pick- isn't Kong like. Is he supposed to have like super intelligence or something like. Is that part of his character? Or am I, just I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I mean, it might make sense. He's a giant monkey, so possibly, but. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I suppose. I'm going to pick Godzilla just to be different, all right? To have some sort of wager here. Godzilla's going to win. Well, I picked Godzilla too, didn't I? Did you, Fitzy? Well, I want Godzilla to win. Who's your prediction, though? Like, uh, yeah, I think Kong, if they actually do have a situation where one of them is beating the other, I think they'll have Kong yeah. win, but I want Godzilla to win. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. It says one will fall, so like one is probably going to die and then get revived. Yeah, and get a black suit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we will talk about this great Gatsby television program also in development. Uh, I don't know anything about the great Gatsby. I think you guys you guys are semi-experts, I guess, because you've seen the movie. That <laughs> makes you more than me. But we've got the Vikings showrunner taking charge of this. Do we know? Is there a network for this? Is this a HBO thing? Is this a... Uh, Any ideas? Um, hold on, let me bring up the IGN article. But Fitzy, does this franchise have potential to be a great show? Do you think? Uh, I don't know, maybe a miniseries? I don't know. It's for, um, it's yeah. for A&E. A&E? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's not what I expected. So is there, is there sure. any casting? Or... No, like it's, 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 it's it, like the news only broke like a few days ago about like, the, like they're going to start writing series or like that. Either of you guys seen Vikings or any indication if that's a positive sign for the show? Um, I haven't seen it, but I know like Vikings is super beloved. Okay, okay. I've been put off because I've sort of heard negative things, to what? be honest. Really? Yeah, it, especially as it – I've sort of heard the, the similar critiques that I get from Walking Dead is that it never ends, and I, I even though I think it did end just very recently, but – because it's like, really yeah, long and... the people that I know, like that I spoke to about, it, like they have nothing but praise for it. Like, okay. it's just, yeah, I okay. mean, like obviously, I mean, like it's just difference of opinion and shit. Like, but yeah, okay. Oh, of course, of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. I was curious because you know I like the Last Kingdom a lot, and there's they're literally pretty much the same thing. So, well, they're not, but you know what I mean. The same time period, similar. I think there's actual character overlap. Mm-hmm. So, I was that's why I was interested in, but I don't know. It is long. Isn't it seven seasons? Eight, seven. Yeah, but a lot of them are 20-episode seasons. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. That's fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all. Well, uh... Jane, what's your, what's your highlight of the week? No, I'll, I'll talk about The Sentinel. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's this 1977 horror film. Um, and and it, it, it's just really great. Um... It's a bit on the lesser known side, which is unfortunate because, like, um, I mean, I guess like it, it is overshadowed like that, especially because like Suspiria and stuff like that. But um, but like it's 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 it's, it's about this model uh, working in New York, and she buys a new apartment, and like um, you know, some dodgy shit happens, of course. But um, it's just that the 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 way the story unfolds is so adverse to what you'd usually expect. Um, and like it it is just quite unpredictable in, in 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 the way it resolves itself and um it, it it really is kind of phenomenal in that in that aspect but like also like um just like in general like the 
like the acting is of a really high quality and like the, the, the effects are cool and like stuff. There is um something towards the end that modern day standards wouldn't allow, but like um you know, we can we can look over that. But um like it, it is just a really great movie and it, it, and as much it is as as it as much as it is a horror, it is also like it does lean into like this crime and like this 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 thriller aspect because like there is a bit of an investigation into some of the stuff and like you know one of the characters is a lawyer and he looks into that so like there is this you know it is very like, a two sided movie where you got this kind of horror story unfolding and you've also got this investigation that's ongoing and it's they could they 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 blend quite nicely so um, that was pretty great very nice uh, do you have anything Jen oh Zach. I could talk about Night Stalker on Netflix. It's this uh, documentary series, these uh, true crime series. You know, these have become a bit of a, a bit of a trend. I think these are pretty popular these days on Netflix. But um, I know it's about the Night Stalker. I don't know this this dude. You may know he killed people back in the eighties in LA. Oh, yeah. my, my parents <laughs> are watching that. That's funny. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's only uh, it's only four episodes, so you know it's an easy get through, but. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed myself generally. I think sometimes, you know, the art when you're creating this kind of uh, documentary that is just, you know, using interviews and images and real world stuff, the real art of nailing it is choosing what to and what not to include and how to include it is sort of what you've got to nail. And it doesn't always nail it for me. There are some points where I'm like, that's sort of, that 10 minute sequence felt very irrelevant. I don't really understand why I needed to hear that. Um, sort of felt like I was just padding for time. And then the first episode in particular, I found pretty slow in terms of setting the scene for this. But when you're in the the midst of it, in terms of the retelling of uh, this dude and what he's up to, it gets pretty intense and it paints a pretty grim picture of LA. Um, not that that's a place I'd ever want to live in the first place, but that certainly put me off way more. So I know I sort of liked it in that way. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty decent. I'd uh, recommend it if you're into that sort of thing. Well, mine is uh, I finished rewatching the uh, the Irishman. Uh, so you I watched, finished rewatching it. <laughs> yeah, well, I watched the first hour of twenty minutes like a week or two ago, and then I like forgot about it. And then I it's like it's like a season of television. Yeah, did you see like people like when they first released it, they they made a breakdown week and watch it in like fifty minute episodes. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's cool. That actually, it, it does make a bit of sense in terms of because you don't meet um, Hoffa for a while, so you can watch the first hour, hour twenty, just on its own, then watch hours later. But um, but yeah, I think that, like like two thirds of the film is like great, yeah. um, like just really solid stuff, and for the last hour, the last third of the film is just like incredible. Um, in terms of the, uh, well, I don't want to spoil this, but like just the effects of, um, you know, what Frank has done on his life and him going into old age. And, um, yeah, like I think it's stuck with me since I first, since it first came out, since I first watched it, just that last stretch. Um, and, like, as a film, I kind of associate concepts of, like, you know, I kind of associate concepts of, like, aging and regret, like, very heavily with this film. Like, I can recognize these things. Fuck, sorry. 
You're right, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was what we experienced last week uh, from your uh, oh, transformer man. sound. That was scary. <laughs> it really was. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it'll be me, me next week. Something will happen in here. Yeah, yeah. What was I saying? Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, these same kind of things in The Godfather, like, they're really cool, but this is something that I guess just sticks to me more. Um, and, yeah, just written this really sad movie. And, um, and, I mean, and obviously, I like all the, the acting, the soundtrack and everything, all great and everything, but, yeah, The Last Hour is just what, what I really love about the film. That three and a half hour runtime is so daunting. Like, that's why I still haven't watched it. It's just. Mm. I mean, oh, yeah, I agree. It's, it's. It's massive. It really is. It and really because is. it, like, it's so. Because it is pretty, like, well regarded critically. And, like, I, I, like, I keep on thinking, like, I'm not in the right, right, right mindset to put myself to three and a half hours. Because, you know, I, I need to be in a good mindset to be able to, like, watch and enjoy it. And, like, it, it's. It's. Yeah. I mean, I think I put, like, a whole day inside just to watch it when I first... Yeah, sorry. Like, okay, I'll start in the morning. I'll be finished, you know, at 7 o'clock at night. If it's any help, I uh, I personally found it very engaging and didn't drag for me whatsoever. Okay. I wasn't sitting there, like, two and a half hours in, like, Jesus, is an hour to go. I didn't personally experience that. Yeah, that, that's so frightening, though. Just... just Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. Maybe we should watch it tonight with the boys. <laughs> All right, so last week's question was uh, What is a movie you've had to force your way through? Andy said uh, The film that I had to force my way through, Troy, 2004. Maybe because I've already read the book Ransom, probably because it was too long, question mark. Nevertheless, I wasn't a fan of the direction, the pacing, and it's pretty forgettable. Thoughts? That's funny, uh, Alex, didn't Alex also say Troy for, like, one of his answers? Yeah, yeah but that's, well, okay. a, that's a very yeah. different reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, none of us have seen, seen this film, right? No, I've seen it. I have. Yeah. That's I agree with him. Like, it, it's fine. Um, in, in, in all aspects. I mean, like, it, it, it's nothing... Amazing, but um, yeah, forcing myself way through, I wouldn't consider. But like, yeah, yeah. Well, it is like very long, isn't it? Like three hours or something. Was it? I don't recall it being that long. But perhaps my memory just chooses not to remember it. <laughs> Luke McNamara said, "What a horrible movie!" Should I even say it? I'm sure you know by now my fervent hatred. For Birds of Prey and the fantabulous, exhaustingly long story of Harley Quinn. The idea <laughs> of Birds of Prey had such potential, but DC wanted, wanted so badly to have a discount Deadpool that they excreted this abomination of a film. I recall moments in the cinema where I seriously considered leaving, but I forced myself to watch the whole thing. I'm so upset with how they used the Black Canary and Huntress's character. I must say, if this for Luke is like the worst movie ever, like. I respect it, you know. I didn't love it, but I understand on some level. I also sort of envy him that this is the worst thing he's ever seen. You know, I've seen a lot worse than this, so I've had to experience a lot, especially on this show. It's not necessarily the worst. It's one that he had to um, to force himself through. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, 
I don't know if I can ever force my way through a, a film I'm seeing in the theater. You know, I've committed to the theater. I'm, I'm no part of me is leaving a theater. The, the concept of me walking out of the theater is so foreign to me. I know it's like something people do. Apparently, I see people say they do it online. I've never seen anyone do it. I've never done it. Don't know. Yeah, I'm seeing it through. If I'm in there, I mean, I've only once I went with my uncle to see a. Uh... Fucking like Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two or something. <laughs> you know, just because I thought it was like a cool vampire film. But uh, yeah, he he walked out, so I had to walk out with him. <laughs> Your hand was forced. What is a movie you've had to force your way through, Zach? You said you got a lot, so I'm interested in what uh, answer is. Downsizing. <laughs> Downsizing is a garbage movie. Absolutely atrocious, dude. I, I can't believe... I thought the movie was a joke when I watched it, to be honest. I thought it was a parody of itself. Um, it started off, and the premise is semi-interesting, you know? If you've seen the trailer, if you know anything about it, I'm like, okay, cool. And then you're sort of 15 minutes in, and it's sort of weird. There's a few weird moments. You're like, what is... So, okay, all right, Matt Damon, you know, I'll, st- I'll stick you with you here. And it becomes just completely bonkers and, you know, racist and hilariously bad moments and... Uh, What's his name? Christoph Waltz is in this movie, shockingly. Hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I feel like like I feel like he sort of was semi-aware it was a joke too because his performance is weird and his character's weird. I think he's like, oh, I'll just do I'll do that weird movie. There's something to do. I don't know. Nice paycheck. But, yeah, downsizing, absolute garbage. Was that one of the cinema experiences you had to force yourself through or was that? No, that was very much a Netflix experience. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate the idea of turning off a movie halfway through. Yeah, so I, I can't do it. I wish I could, though. I wish I could because if I know I'm wasting my time, I wish I could just turn it off, but I always end up coming back to it. There's only one movie that I haven't gone back to, which is um The Other Guys. Ah, oh, <sighs> right. I, I abandon quite a few movies. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, even movies I like, I just, I don't know. But, uh... Jane, what is your what is your answer? Um, I had a few things. Um, I mean, like sometimes there's movies that I like that I have to force my way through just because, like, the runtime's shit. Like Ben Hur, which is four hours of the oh, biblical God. story. Like, it's it's quite good, but like it's just way too long. But then you know you also have the other stuff like The Snowman. You know, Michael Fassbender and just a shit detective adaptation that was just one of the most boring experiences of my life, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> they, they, they make serial murder, like, disinteresting, which is crazy. Um, that's a feat. Yeah. Um, like, that's just atrocious, but, like, also, like, a, a movie I was watching last night, Alucarda, like, it was so, the act, like, it's, with, like, so 98% of the movie is just hysterical wailing by women, and, like, it is, it, it's, it's unwatchable, it's, 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 like, I don't care how good your story is your set design, your your costume. When ninety eight percent of your movie is just screaming, why would I want to watch it? But because of what it was and my dislike of you know turning shit off, I had to force my way through that, and it's just painful. My answer. So um, usually, yeah, like usually if I'm gonna watch something, I like just look at you know Letterboxd or IMDb, just ratings and reviews and stuff like that. You know, I did my research. Um, but uh, so this one time I thought, okay, let's just let's just put on a random film from Prime, from Prime Video. Just like go to Prime, 
and press play on something. And it was a big mistake. It was it was a massive mistake. Um, so the movie is it's called Spun. Um, and it's it's about this it's about this like these like these drug addicts or whatever and it's one of the most obnoxious films of all time like the the camera is like acting all spazzy in order to try and recreate the drug experience but it's really it's really obvious and dumb and like it's it's trying to be so it's trying to be so edgy and different but it is like it, it's copying it's it's basically copying Requiem for a Dream but with none of the with none of the, you know, camera work or cinematography or anything. Just like, you know, zoom ins on people's face, backwards and forwards and like random shots of like, you know, shit in people's arm and stuff. It's just it's such an ugly film as well, like, um I can't even explain it. It's just like it's disgusting. It just it reeks of like just smells. It's a film that smells really bad, and maybe that's like a good. Like I thought of this. Like maybe okay, maybe that's a positive. Maybe like all this disgusting, uh, this disgusting sense from the movie was like an achievement. But like, I didn't care. It was just too, it's too much. Um, and I mean, there was hardly any real script anyway. And yeah, I mean, it's so random as well. There's like these random cartoon bits which don't fit the movie at all and they're like really no but yeah it's trash um jason schwartzman's in it which is one of the things that stops it from being the worst film ever um but uh no yeah i haven't done that since so and i actually was like you know i had to force my way through it because i Turned it off like twenty minutes in, but I was like, "No, nah, I like I picked this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it all." And I mean, there is one part. There is one monologue film I actually like, which I kind of hate that I like a part of the film. You know, I kind of wish I didn't, but I, I do like one part of it. The one like two minute section, but hey, what a shit ass film. Well, um, thanks for watching, guys. Uh. Wait, what is next week's film? I have no idea. War of the Worlds? Next oh, week's film is uh, mm-hmm. War of the Worlds. Steven Spielberg. Um, and you can find that one on on Stan. So give that a watch. It's Jaden's favorite movie. Favorite sci-fi movie. Yeah, leave a comment to this week's question, which I haven't read yet, have I? No, you read it at the start. No, I did. Yeah, that's all good. That's all good. Do I still sound like shit? Yeah. God damn it. Oh, well. Oh, well. I was just going to make a comment that I love that we never, you know, indicated to anyone that Fitzy was going to host it this week. So we just come in and everyone's just surprised. Everyone's, it's just what you, you get, what you get. Well, He's done someone, a great job. Someone asked for it in like the survey. So like one person's going to be pretty pleased, right? He's going to be pleased, but surprised though, still nonetheless, you yeah. know. But it's good. I just like leaving our audience. In the dark and not telling them anything. Anyway, um, thanks for joining us, me, guys. 
No worries. I'm very happy to. Um, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> this will be my last episode. Yeah, and done after 44. It's a good number to tap out on. Well, okay. Zach and I are happy to be here, but uh, <laughs> see ya. Goodbye.